This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Bill Gormley. Bill is the president of the Gormley Group. And he's also the chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. We're in the, I guess, is it the first or second full week of uh, work in January 2020, Bill? It's the second, second week. And it's uh, almost 70 degrees out there, so I don't know if it's January or not. But anyway, we're, we're, in, we're into a new year. Right, January or is it July or it's June maybe, <laughs> I don't know, so... Um, but first of all, welcome to the show. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Roger. Thank you for inviting me. So, um, And I thought um, what we would do is just talk a little about the year 2019, some of the key initiatives and just where they are and what what you saw, and then try to take a little bit of a snapshot looking forward to 2020. Oh, the crystal ball there, I think, is pretty cloudy these days right now. It's probably just more of the same, uh, not, to, not to steal your thunder. But first of all, you know, there's uh, – and I guess a lot of um, this past year has been focused around GSA. or a lot. There's been a lot of energy around GSA with uh, Emily Murphy's leadership and Alan Thomas and, you know, the federal market initiatives and that sort of thing. So um, – First of all, you know, they have a thing called the Federal Market Strategy, and that, has, that includes mass consolidation, um, commercial platforms, then systems modernization for internal lifecycle management, and then uh, catalog, which is really, I guess, the GSA uh, advantage and how products are organized and presented online and the information that's there and trying to you know, reform and modernize that as well. So there's sort of four, the four pillars. And really the ones that <clears throat> people pay attention to are really the schedules consolidation, e-commerce, and I think more so the catalog, the GSA Advantage, you know, where it's going. The, the, the other systems one is is probably just as important, but it's more internal facing, it seems to me. Or or it's not, you know, the thing people – the item or initiative people think of right away, the one not the sexy one. So maybe we'll talk about consolidation first, Bill. So GSA's well on its path to consolidation. Yeah, I mean they're they have three phases, as you know, Roger. So phase one um actually got started on time. And and that was a, hey, that's 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 pretty impressive, you know. And sure that, is. that was uh October of last year. And um and so we're into or they're into um you know getting ready for phase two, which is gonna happen at the end of this month, where they put a mass modification out for all existing uh schedule contract holders where you have one contract only. And so to, and that's to harmonize the terms and conditions across term, all the all all contracts and whether you have multiple Contracts across different schedules, or you just have one, right? Yeah. So you know the the deal here is GSA is trying to 
have uh, it's standardized from a customer's um, viewpoint. And I think that, which is a great idea, I think part of the challenge is going to be, you know, th- these are negotiated contracts, so some of them do have some nuances in there. So GSA's uh, has stated, you know, willingness to work through those. And if it's a commercial practice that you do, they're not going to really be asking you to change it. They're just trying to come up with a, uh, a means of uh, standardization to the maximum extent practical. Because it was you know, over the years, over the past few years, it's gotten to be like the wild, wild west of uh, uh, how some of these solicitations were put together, uh, scheduled solicitations and difference. Uh, I mean, there was a lack of consistency, Bill? Uh, Is that fair to? You're being kind. And okay. <laughs> so from an industry standpoint, you know, you're having to deal with different terms, conditions for very similar services or products, depending on the schedule that you submit your offer. And so there was a, you know, there wasn't continuity there. And then, you know, from a uh, customer standpoint, I'm not sure if there was confusion or not, but GSA is at least trying to uh, streamline as much as they can, you know, with all the requirements that you're, you're still required to have a government contract. So that's off the GSA. I mean, I give them a lot of credit for for getting down to the initiative of, of one schedule. And, you know, what's what they're going through right now are the aches and pains of change, conversion, and new implementation. And that's both uh, – internal with GSA contracting officers. So hopefully, you know, there's a lot of training internally as well as expecting industry externally to understand it. And the three-legged stool is the customer to however they're going to stream, however from their vision they're streamlining the um, exposure of what's available under the contracts from a product and services standpoint that that makes it easier for a customer to to order across what were many schedules as one having one order would be right. the objective there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so there's three phases. The first was um, the, I guess, issuance of the basic solicitation, solicitation. Right? right? And they right. closed the other solicitations. Yep. And you mentioned phase two, which is going to kick off, I guess, at the end of this month. It'll be a mass modification, right. they call it. And so yeah. that'll be for everybody to look at. And I think they have like six months or so to – agree to it or, you know, or come to some kind of agreement on that. So that's, I think it's like 1800 contracts or something like that. It's a lot. Yeah. And so it's going to, it's going to, it's going to take a lot of work by a lot of people, but hopefully they can get through that. And phase three will be for um, any company that has multiple schedule contracts, uh, how to consolidate those or not. So that that's a, that's a one-on-one conversation with each contractor that GSA will be having. Yeah, so so after I guess July, approximately, right? About six months. That's at the point where, again, if you have multiple contracts, you've got to try to start hammering out your arrangement with GSA to get it down to a single contract. Correct. Mm-hmm. Do you think GSA would allow people to have multiple contracts, even you know, or do you think they're really going to push them down to a single one? Well, the objective is a single, so I mean, that's kind of the objective, but. You know, there could be business you, reasons that you, you want separate you know, contracts, you, right? You, you Different I, business units, same legal entity. What? Anytime there's an objective, you usually have a high, medium, and low. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So the high objective would be to have everybody go to one. And then depending exactly touching on what you were just talking about, you know, companies go through, um, you know, mergers and acquisitions and, and different branding and so forth. So there could be reasons that, to have a medium objective here. And re- just reduce the number and the low objective, obviously, is 
maybe status quo, if it makes sense. Right. So from a company's perspective who's who, who has multiple contracts, what are the things they need to think about as they're – you know, when you get into phase three and they're got to negotiate yeah. with GSA. Well, I think we're particularly in the services area. Well, products as well. So services or products, you know, you may have um, services under um, more than one contract schedule currently. And then you're going to may have different rates for whatever reason for um, similar or the same um, labor category. So you should be ready to address uh, a change moving forward, if, if you're going to go to one schedule, what rate you're going to be, be able to support and then what rate you're going to let go of. Now, when you do that, <clears throat> there is ramifications if you have BPAs under under contracts or under labor categories where you're going to change the, uh, the unit price for a labor category. And the same thing would apply to a product. So the key here is you just need to keep pay attention to the details here and think through the whole process. It's just not a matter of trying to, in some cases, retain the highest dollar amount for a labor category where under under that particular schedule, you're not selling as much as one where it may be lower and that may affect your BPAs. So that's a, your BPAs, I think, is going to be a, a key conversational piece, or it should be when you go through these uh, mergers. Right, and making sure your BPAs stay in place. Is that going to be a big deal? Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, I've talked to some companies and they're like various agencies uh, aren't aren't really uh, fixated on the contract number of a BPA. They're willing to change it. Uh, if your contract number changes, there's other ones that say they have to go through a full open competition for the BPA again. So, well, that's kind of like, that's really crazy. Well. Uh, it's the real world, right? Hey, how I know. <laughs> that's I know. why you have the show, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, and we're just trying to help out here. So anyway, the you know, so you have to know your client base and who's supporting the client, particularly on the BPA side. When you make these changes, you want to make sure it's orchestrated because GSA basically is not going to be in front of that that customer, you know, the contractor's customer, you know, obviously as much as the contractor. So the contractor has to. And should you know pay particularly attention to any um, conversion that you're doing and what the impact may be on any particular BPA or orders. Right. So, Bill, we're already up on the first break. When we come back, just want to finish up on consolidation um, and maybe just get your thoughts on what the benefits of it are, and maybe if there are any other risks that we want to focus. You know, keeping those BPAs in place and the, how you negotiate your rates are important things to address risk and continuity. And just what are some of the benefits you see coming out of this consolidation for customers, GSA, and contractors? My guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the president of the Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and Bill, when we took the break, we were talking about schedules, consolidation a little bit, and um, you identified a couple of things people need to think about with regard to negotiating their rates and you know the continuity of BPAs, keeping those in place um, as they move from uh, multiple contracts down to a single contract. And I know GSA is sensitive to that issue, but... You know, one thing, and that's sort of phase three. So, but going back to, I guess, the pre-phase, you know, with the thinking about this, what, why did GSA, you know, embark on this journey? 
what what are the benefits that they see that we that you may see with regard to consolidating the schedule contracts? Well, there's um, obviously there's efficiency in opportunities if they the way they're pursuing the the phase in they'll they'll see that um, over the next you know probably twelve to eighteen months, <clears throat> and that that is I think from a from a customer's um, perspective. GSA, you know, had, you know, 24 currently or previously 24 schedules. And so if a customer wanted to order um, services or product for their full requirement, it may have in place more than one order with a company because of the multiple contracts. And so this will streamline um, that aspect of it from a from a buyer standpoint. And, and obviously, you know, GSA is there to, to support the government's requirements. And so I think they've – that's one of the key initiatives. And then I think also from a uh, workload standpoint, and, and this will be sort of be working its way out now as the phase two gets underway, where they're starting to have mass mods and, and then phase three in particular, you know, who in GSA is going to end up with a, a contract, a contract tour under phase three where they have multiple schedules and maybe, uh, that that company may be interfacing with the three or four GSA acquisition centers, and so how is that going to be handled? So that's I don't say that that's not complicated per se. It's just that they're that you have they have like I said earlier, the GSA is going to have to pay attention on how they roll out phase three uh, to uh, their people internally because from an industry standpoint, they're already interfacing with GSA. So it's who are they going to be interfacing with under the uh, phase three part? So that's going to be a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, from a, you know, I think the, do you see this actually eventually? I mean, I think it's going to, you know, obviously, right. As you make any kind of change like this structural, there's some initial investments. Mm-hmm. Do you see the return on investment in terms of potential efficiencies for contractors, you know, rather having to deal with multiple contract administration focuses yeah, I, or. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think when, once we get through the, like I said, the initial phase, and the, you know, you kind of get through it, so everybody understands there's one solicitation, and 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 everybody sort of gets accustomed to it. It's like anything else, Roger. You just you have to go through this. You can talk about it in the classroom, but once you implement, once you take it off the off the board, so to speak, and implement it in real life, there's going to be little nuances. And GSA is already making some uh, amendments to the the single solicitation, just based on. Feedback, feedback and things that, yeah, you're not going to have all, yeah, yeah. there's always something to change yeah. once you start implementing yeah. something, so, right? So, surprise, surprise. Everybody's not going to be happy. Right? right, yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean that it's not for the betterment. And I, I, I think GSA is doing a great job in, in, in getting the word out, you know, and so far, and I'm sure they're going to continue to do that to full implementation. So <clears throat> schedules consolidation is a big part of the federal market strategy that GSA's leadership has sort of presented and announced. And I was going to go to e-commerce, but I'm going to set that one aside because that one seems to be, one could argue, um, you know, the good, I think industry has questions of how complementary I guess that is to the schedules program or not. But the other two, you know, the looking at the like acquisition lifecycle and management systems, the internal systems and investment of those, and then the, G, and the catalog initiative, which is all about managing the information and presentation of that information for GSA Advantage in particular. Those two things, it seems to me, are, you know, there have to be, they're 
their linchpins are foundational to the schedule's consolidation. Is, do you share that view? Or? Yeah, I, I think the uh, GSA in, in an area of automation around acquisition is um, is pretty you – know, regardless of where one thinks they are, they are far ahead in many agencies throughout the federal government. You know, they have the e, their e-offers that's been used in the schedules program, you know, for a long time. And they've gotten away from, you know, the paper submittals and so forth, which some agencies still use today. So that they're, you know, they continue to tweak it and they got the help center. And, you know, when something goes down, which there's, you know, it's not uncommon, but that's, that's a big system they're running. And I think with the, uh, you know, a lot of the other systems they have are dated back to the sixties and, and that's, yeah. and that's so, but to the credit, they're working, right? They're talking to the finance offices. You know, we're getting really minutiae here. But I think it's good that GSA is taking the initiative to say, hey, we want to move forward and, and get our other systems to a, a point-and-click um, type of acquisition. And I hope that through all the automate, automation side that GSA doesn't lose pers- the perspective of actually negotiating and not made it, not making it a machine to machine decision here. Right, and right. I know some people talk about you know the AI and so forth, you know the intelligence side, but that that's okay. That may be okay, but when you get into services and and some larger acquisitions, I think it's it still boils down to um, having that, that personal negotiation and actual clarity for, as far as discussions. Right. So along those lines, on the on the catalog side, one of the changes that consolidation is going to bring is they're going to go from like 900 line items down to about 300 and they're going to be much more NAICS code focused. So there's a restructuring of your contract as a contractor, but it also seems to me it's going to be have to, to be able to communicate to the customer or create that bridge of electronic bridge between the customer and the contractors GSA Advantage, the investment, and an e-buy, the investments in those systems to try to accommodate this approach is going to be critical to success. Success, is it? Yeah, I think I think the 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 next part of all of the consolidation, to your point, is on the. And we can talk about all the electronic, all the e-commerce or the e-side to contracting, but then you have the business side, which is that's why contracts are set up to do the business side. And GSA is looking to make the interface with between the uh, contractor and the and the potential customer uh, a lot easier and a lot more clarity. So I think they're looking to to clean this up a lot and make it as is uh, to em- emulate the commercial practices that we see today. Right. So <clears throat> those t- and then a big task, by the way. Not oh yeah. Not, well, like yeah. on the acquisition lifecycle and management, I just remember. When Alan Thomas first came to GSA, became commissioner of FAS, he talked about 171 different systems, East, you know, business systems within that, that fast he knew organization that he knew about at that time. So part of that seems to be to, to make some to collapse those to make it much more simpler, focused, efficient. That's got to be part of this, to to and other, well, yeah, and that systems are talking to systems as far as you know, uh, obtaining data and making intelligent decisions from a, a data standpoint. I think one of the, in in, in to complement Alan, you know his uh, his vision on this was like it needed to be done. And I think he said, you know, early on, he's like, I know I'm not going to be here, 
right. when this yes, is done. He so he's, yeah. he put the initiative out there, and and um, and he's not there. <laughs> and, and, well, uh, when you, but, that, I mean, but he, yeah, that's he, a multi-year effort. I know that right? was very admirable to recognize. Hey, I'm not getting the credit for this, but it needs to be done. So, right, yeah, you know, that's a kind of you know public service you like to see. Right. Yep. Well, Bill, you know what? I think we're already up on the break. Um, I didn't even get. We didn't even get to talk about it. <laughs> E-commerce at also, I promise when we come back, we can talk about Section 846 implementation by GSA um, as we sit here in, in January. Um, you know, there's just a recent uh, amendment to the solicitation. There was an agency bid protest, and um, you know, offers have been received. So they're, I guess they're in the midst of evaluation. So we can talk a little bit about what we saw last year and anticipate what may happen this year. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He is president of Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's president of Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and we're taking a look at 2019 and maybe hopefully a little bit on 2020. And, gee, really, our Bill, surprise, surprise, our conversation has been dominated so far on uh, MAS consolidation, um, which is a huge deal. You know, we're talking about a 30-some-odd billion-dollar market, you know, thousands of contracts and thousands of customers. So – so rightly so, but it, but but there's also this other part of the GSA's federal market strategy that you know just um, is an interesting, di- I guess juxtaposition perhaps or dynamic in this in that strategy. It's the e-commerce Section 846 implementation, which many view as creating a parallel procurement universe. And, yeah, I mean, I think the idea under 846 is obviously that the government by <clears throat> is close to the commercial and within the commercial environment as possible. And I think, you know, earlier conversations on schedule consolidation is, is also has, has the same objective. They, they, the government wants to do get as close to commercial practices as possible and selling their products and services to the government. So the e-commerce strategy, uh, I'm not going to say parachuted in, but it kind of, you know, came out of nowhere and I know it's viewed as uh, you know kind of open market buys, and um, but it's had a major impact or concern by the GSA supplier partners, if you want to put it in this that terminology. Industry partners, yeah. yeah, yep. And so they're like, well, you know, where are we fit in here? And so normally, I think they they there's a clear place for them to fit in under e-commerce because. You know, a lot of them are doing it right now, you know, on Advantage or eBuy. And this this e-commerce initiative, 846, is um, GSA uh, It's kind of taken upon itself to divide the market in, in thirds as far as identification of what e-commerce is. And I think the way that the pilot of that one-third that's been identified and the solicitation is issued, and as you mentioned earlier, the the people have it's closed, so we don't know who's participating because right. negotiation. But I'm sure there's responses there, and I think they just the GSA just issued an amendment to make some changes to this to their earlier solicitation. So, but the key here is industry feels as though 
it's it's been a a partner with GSA along on for decades on the schedule side, and everybody recognizes there will always be change. I mean, there were, there's the consolidations a major change. So when it gets to the e-commerce side, you know, why am I being left out here? Um, because I have a website that government can buy from or they can get to me through Advantage, and yet I'm excluded. And I know you can say this is a, a pilot uh, initiative, um, but that's that that doesn't equate. It's, it's more of a minus sales sign as far as industry is looking at because they're 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 not allowed to participate, and that's it's kind of disheartening when I, I, you know GSA is kind of put in a position having to make some decisions, and we understand that. But from a pure business standpoint, and what the objectives are here, I think GSA had all the platforms in place to do it, and maybe GSA could have, you know. If, you know, we're looking year ahead 2020, but if you can look in rearview mirror 2020 also, it would have been probably better if GSA, you know, maximized its current infrastructure on e-commerce and then where there were shortfalls then go back to Congress and ask for exceptions to to maximize that because that's a, um, you know, established, you know, commercial, very similar market under GSA Advantage. And can GSA Advantage be improved? Absolutely. GSA is working on that. But you, you can say that about you know you, you and I we go shopping and that's on the ourselves commercially and it's not all intuitive so it's it's kind of interesting so right well yeah it is an interesting dynamic too in that you know to to play in this market right you you know you're a third party seller you're going to have to you know I guess do business and sign agreements with a platform regardless of you know. It could be there should they plan on having multiple platforms, yeah. and you know that business arrangement is going to revol- result in fees and that sort of thing to access the government market. Um, you know, and I guess the you know, one of the things that you hope GSA looks at is like you know that access. You know, how does it compare vis-a-vis the a commercial platform versus the GSA schedules program? They are different things, um, but. At the same time, what are the implications of different models for access, different compliance requirements? I mean, in many senses, what we're seeing is there are issues that are coalescing around, you know, the you know the balance between compliance requirements that the government has versus the convenience to be able to buy things as quickly as they can, and sort that out as to what the right balance is. Yeah, I think as much GSA advantage kind of took a hit through some congressional language is looking at um, or some of the background behind the 846. Having said that, GSA Advantage has grown every year. <laughs> so from a right. business standpoint, so, uh, you know, and, and no, no one has a hundred percent of any market per se. So GSA is not, you know, they, they didn't have a hundred percent of what it could be, but having said that they have the, the infrastructure and the ability to interface with the various, you know, the credit card, the government credit card or government finance offices. And so there's a lot of work that has been done and has proven to be successful. So it's a matter of cleaning up or reorganizing, which I think part of the consolidation schedules is going to help on Advantage and eBuy. So, but getting back to 846, I think it's the way it's been handled. Uh, GSA has stated its reasons um, and more or less said, we're doing this as a pilot, so I'm not sure what a 
you know, five-year pilot was. Well, it was three. One, now three, it's three. They yeah, did they, cut, but they it, but they'd say the target market is six billion dollars yeah. annual spend, yeah. which that's eighteen billion dollar pilot. Yeah, Brad, that their goal is. Yeah. And so, from an industry standpoint, I think this is there's a lot of confusion that it's placed out there, which I think um, you know is sort of unnecessary, but um, not quite. Yeah, you know, this isn't awarded yet either, so we don't right, you know, right. we don't know how this well, is going to work out. Right, and well, I think there's a lot of things that have have cropped up since the solicitation or since the 846 was initiated, like cyber. Um, well, you were know exactly where I was going because okay. that um, Bill just uh, um, and we got a couple minutes left okay. in this segment, and we might have to continue. But that's highlighting you know, the section 889. Um, Provisions with regard to Huawei and ultimately phase two, the use and association with companies that are using Huawei equipment, how that all shakes out. And, you know, the, the dyna- and that, so that gets into that compliance and how you handle that. And it seems to me what we're seeing is that from GSA's taking a perspective that there's an obligation on part of the buyer to know the requirement. There's an obligation on the part of the seller, the third-party suppliers, to comply with the requirement, but there's no obligation on the part of a platform provider in either screening the product or providing, you know, the you know, that gets into issues of the integrity of the marketplace. I don't know if you well, that what you're seeing. Yeah, well, GSA GSA's advantage is going to give you is is as close to 100% compliance as, as any system out there in, in regards to 889. And um, you, you step outside that, and to your point, where you, where the government or the platform e-commerce providers kind of feel like, hey, the buyer beware. Well, you know, in this particular part of the market, you know, it's basically small purchases. Those are cardholders who their job is not acquisition; they're to go out and, and go get you know something for a small dollar value, and there's no way that they're going to be informed of everything, everything we're talking about here. It's just they have their right. day, they got their day job. Yeah. They're going to go find the low-cost item. And yeah. if they can find a Huawei product and it's $1,000 and then a domestic-made, U.S.-made, trade agreement's that compliant, you know, server is three times as much as the $1,000 one, they're going to, you know, the they're, guys at they're, GS7 they're going to think got, they did a good job. Right. Not okay. knowing the circumstances behind that selection. And so the fact you put it out there – you know, it's it's like the fact it's out there doesn't doesn't mean that you know that there's that making that selection is the right selection. So it's is there's I I just think there's going to be a lot of interest as this plays out, um, and if there's are transactions that are going to occur that are non-compliant, yeah, there's going to be major major uh, downfall here of the acquisition community. You know, that's not going to be. Appropriate, right? Well, and, you know, and to, and to the to the question is, what's the right role of? A, there's an opportunity here with the e-commerce platforms to Absolutely. address compli- compliance and you know create you know ensure the integrity of the market. You know, we don't want you know an electronic flea market out there, right? No. So no. But but with revenue comes responsibility, and if it's if the platform providers under the terms of the solicitation have no you know, obligation to ensure the integrity of the market, then the, one could ask, why is the government doing it? Yeah, and, that, and that's where the, um, I hate to use the word, traditional contractors or the current contractors right. feel that they incur 
a, a cost and a responsibility to comply with trade agreements and, and so forth. And, and a, and a uh, platform provider does not, uh, that clearly is not um, apples and apples here. So it's, there's definitely a competitive advantage. And if you sell direct, if you're an OEM, you're selling direct to government now and you got to go through a platform provider, you know, you're, you're just, you're losing your margins and, right. and it's not paying fees. Yes. Yeah. 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 So there's that, that side as well. But I think that expect a government cardholder to understand all the acquisition, you know, uh, requirements and restrictions before they click on a, you know, a small, small purchase item is, is, is the, the expectation. I, I, I can't even, I can't even explain it. Right. It's right. unreasonable. Right. I'm trying to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Leaves you speechless, right? Yeah, yeah. Unusually, but yeah, <laughs> right. unusual. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, we're we're up on the break. Um, when we come back, we'll can you continue our discussion and look at some of the other issues that formed 2019, and maybe take a couple minutes to. Like, I'd like to get your thoughts about Fast 2020, um, both the decision to hold it and then the upcoming event in Atlanta in a, in, a, in April uh, of this year. Uh, my guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement, president of the Gormley Group. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And we're, we really, well, we've been talking about a little bit about 2019, but our conversation got do- is dominated or been dominated around the federal market strategy, e-commerce, MAS consolidation, improving GSA and advantage, and that and all those different things. And perhaps we we could talk a little bit about the the decision GSA made last year, and they announced at a coalition event to hold a new training conference, uh, you know, government wide training conference on a national scale. Um, Emily Murphy announced that back in May. Um, it's going to be held um, uh, April 14th, 15th, and 16th, I believe, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so we've got like, what is it, three months, really, when you stop and think about it, till till ninety day, a little bit over 90 days before that event takes place. Um, big training, Bill, thoughts on it, what you've le- heard about it, what's, you know, how much training are they going to be doing? Yeah, I mean, this is um – <clears throat> been you know people have been waiting for this for a long time because a lot's happened. Was it uh, been I don't know four or five years or something since they've had uh, longer say, than that? Say Expo. Expo. I don't think Expo. it's I think it's longer than that. Bill. <laughs> so anyway, it's been a while, yes. and I think I think the key here is the whole thing with the with bringing Fast Twenty Twenty into play here and actually doing it. You know, a lot of kudos to to GSA uh, to Emily for supporting that. I know they've been having a lot of internal discussions, but, you know, Emily did the, uh, her credit, you know, approved it. So it's moved forward uh, to a reality. And uh, I think they have over 1800 different training session opportunities that are going to be offered. So that's, that's a lot. And there's a thirst out there for government training with all the changes. And a lot of what we talked about with the consolidations, the systems and, you know, the, uh, the e-commerce initiatives and so forth. So there's a lot, of need to, to be with people and it's just everything can't be done online. So this actually gives you time to an opportunity as, as a government employee to, to interface with other government employees 
as well as with industry. And uh, you know, encourage everybody that, that can that can come down and get away for a couple of days in Atlanta to go down there. It should be a great great um, expo to some extent or Fast Twenty Twenty. Be careful there, Fast Twenty. It's a training event. It's a training event. Yeah. It should be a great training event. Um, but also for industry as well. And I think there's, uh, there's over a thousand government employees who are who are showing up. And uh, mentioned to to some folks at GSA, it'd be important to show that GSA is how many GSA folks are coming out. I understand that hasn't happened yet, but that's a big it's a big point of information that industry needs for some companies to actually get approval to to get the travel to to say, hey, I'm I'm going to meet people and and in Fort Worth or New York or something down in Atlanta. So that's uh, encourage GSA to, to, you know, hopefully make that number list available, you know, as soon as possible. That'll, that'll help everybody get their training and be able to buy booths and things of that nature. Yeah. Booths are, yeah, that are important. And to your point is, you know, GSA's commitment to its event, you know, other government agencies watch that as well. Right. So, you know, it has a, a ripple effect in terms of getting folks to attend the attend the event, and the more that you can provide information about um, who's coming for, from a government side, I think it creates um, the important, you know, I guess incentives for industry to attend to for those exchanges of information and dialogue around common common challenges, common concerns, common opportunities to. You're on a panel, right? Yes, I am on a panel. I think on the kickoff panel for the event. Good. Um, Good. Hopefully, um, yeah, that will be that will be fun. And yep. you know, I don't know what I'm talking about yet, but there's there's <laughs> still sure ninety some odd days. <laughs> Are we going to start doing a maybe we'll start doing a, a countdown. There you uh, go. Yeah. There you and, go. Okay. So that's good. Um, <clears throat> you know, other things to potentially let's talk about a little bit. So one of the things that struck me and I think we've talked about the market strategy and building on success in a certain sense, um, but the you know there's some resiliency to GSA's programs because you know the market strategy. I know there's MES consolidation, but the systems and all that stuff also support other other GSA programs like the like the GWAX and the GWAX. It looks like 2019 saw at least a two and a half billion dollar increase. Over the year, a 15.9% increase in obligations under those contracts. Um, the GWACs have grown from, uh, let's say, five years ago, they were about $10 billion annually. Now they're up to $18 billion. That's a 90% increase over that time. Um, you know, the schedules you know, are, are in a positive you know, environment. The growth isn't as significant in the GWACs, but they're still growing one, two, three percent a year. You, what does that reflect, Bill? From your well, I think the uh, you know, there's a need for GSA out there, and GSA is working to, you know, improve its interface with the customers, and uh, you know, with the requirements that people have to go through internally to get big procurements um, um, put together and establish, a, you know, requests for information, and then do a RFP or RFQ is a lot of work, and I think GSA's uh, demonstrated that it's, it's able to deliver on big projects when you can talk about the GWACs, Rogers. So people are willing to to obligate or delegate, really, 
their uh, procurement to GSA and working with them and then obligate the funds that go along with it. Yeah, and the, the, lots of new BPA DOs. There's a bunch of different big BPAs. That there's are, big BPAs that are coming out that yeah. people are moving away from their internal um, procurements and going to the schedules right. in that regard. So we have about, let's say, uh, two minutes left, a minute and a half or so in the show, and I wanted to give you a chance. To, uh, any thoughts about anything you're watching very closely for 2020? I think there's an election. Yeah, I heard that. And right. so, anyway, on the election side, everybody, what's the impact on procurement? Well, the deal is the budget's going to be going in for that year anyway. So that, that it's not going to have an impact on a budget. And really, from a, at least from our experience, Roger, and being in government for a number of years in various administrations, regardless of party, you know, there really isn't much change the first year. In the second year, you know, if there's going to be change or an interest in changing is when you're going to start hearing it. So um, that that doesn't mean that things couldn't occur. But I think from a historical standpoint, that's kind of the way it is. It's really going to be the, you know, the after the 12-month uh, honeymoon, so to speak, that right, right. things will start to, to come in. And then you have the, um, the third phase of the, of the, or the really full implementation, I guess, of the schedule, single schedule should be, you know, coming to its fruition and and beginning a new life as one schedule. And I hope GSA at some point will look at Evergreen where there's no contract periods for contracts that with companies that have been around for forever, you know, and uh, and it just makes there, – there's a way to refresh the procurement and not just go through a whole, a whole new procurement. That would be a huge um, benefit to all three legs of the school, school that we talked about earlier. Well, Bill, thanks for, I guess, the election. It's hurry up and wait. Hurry for, up and wait. Right? So, <laughs> a lot of questions there, right? Right, yeah. My, my, uh, I want to thank my guest today, Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group and chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. To be your best every day, You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.